Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hi, I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Yet another hot summer day. Talking to you this time from a park, Namba Parks. It's a park on top of a building. Kind of a nice area in Osaka, Japan. So I've had coffee and talks. I've had walk and talks. Maybe I should call this a sweat and talk. (laughs) Since I'm sweating out in the heat as I talk to you. (laughs) So I got a really nice picture. Two nice pictures from my dad today. Pictures from my grandmother's birthday. My dad's mom. And what's amazing is that my grandmother is now 99 years old. 99 years old. Amazing. What's super amazing is that she still lives independently. She has a small little apartment. Now it's one of those things, I don't I can't remember what they call it. Uh, I was going to say assisted living, but it's not that actually. But it's basically an apartment complex for older people. But she has her own apartment, right? She, she's, there's, she's not living with a nurse. She has her own independent apartment. And she has friends there where she uh, lives. And she'll do activities and things. But she still is independent. Still independent. Still teaches an exercise class for older people. Like a kind of a dance type class. And mentally, she's still sharp, right? She, she, you know, she's got, still has good memory, still has good clear thinking. Very impressive. Very, very impressive, my grandmother, at 99 years old. So they had a birthday party for her recently and uh, celebrated her 99th birthday. Bit windy. You can probably hear the wind. I'm uh, up on top of the building, so it is a bit windy. I'm gonna see if I can find an area with a little less wind. So I asked my grandmother, "What's the secret, Grandma? How did you do it? How do you stay independent and have you know still good fitness and a sharp mind all the way until 99 years old?" And she said, stay active. Stay active is her secret. And I've talked about my grandmother before. Actually, both of my grandmothers are still alive. My other grandmother's 93, turning 94 soon. So two grandmothers in the 90s. My other grandmother, she's she's actually a little bit less strong than... My gram, my grandma Hogue, I call her Grandma Hogue, so, meaning my dad's mom. My dad's mom is amazing. <laughs> my mom's mom, pretty amazing still, but she's a 
her um mentally she's not as sharp she has some memory problems it's not alzheimer's but it's but her memory's not great she can still walk with but she needs help sometimes so she's just she's not quite as strong as my my other grandmother my grandma hogue grandma hogue's secret is stay active stay active stay active mentally and physically keep living keep doing things now, of course, that's no guarantee you'll live to be 99, but what it does guarantee, or at least mostly guarantee, is that however long you live, that you will stay fairly strong and fairly uh, energetic. Now, I talked about yesterday how aging is inevitable inevitable aging cannot be avoided this is true i mean obviously she's 99 she's not as strong as she was when she was 50 and certainly not as strong as she was when she was 20. i mean of course of course not not even close so we're not comparing someone who's 99 to themselves when they were 20. but we compare her to other older people, even people who are much younger than her, people who are, you know, say 80 years old or 70 years old. And she is stronger and sharper and more lively than a whole lot of 70 and 80 year olds. This is something called um, health span. Health span. The idea of health span, we, right, we have lifespan. Span meaning like length of time. So lifespan is, you know, how long do you live? How long do people live in general? And that has been getting longer thanks to medical technology and uh, probably also very much thanks to uh, sanitation, meaning, right, our water's cleaner now and. We have fewer of those kinds of diseases that kill people in large numbers. But there's also this idea of health span because just living a long time is not really the great thing because if you live to be, let's say, 95, but you are in terrible pain and your brain doesn't work and you're, you're miserable, well, that most people, that doesn't sound so good, <laughs> right? So we want to live long, hopefully, but... Uh, just as importantly, we want to be fairly healthy for as long as we live. And as I've often talked about, Jacqueline, I would say, is the probably the best role model for this. Lived to be, I think it was 93, 93 or 94, and stayed quite strong and active and healthy and energetic through that entire time. Right up in, at age 93, you can see a YouTube video of him giving a an interview on television and he's still energetic he still has a good sense of humor he's still full of enthusiasm very enthusiastic and then he died and he at his death was you know fairly short he had a he had some kind of heart problem had surgery and then he didn't recover from it he actually worked out the night before he exercised push-ups and pull-ups and things the night before he died 
the day before the day before he died. That's impressive. That's health span, and I think that's what we would all love. Now, of course, he worked very hard for that. He ate very, very, very healthily. He ate very healthy food. Was super disciplined about that. Far more disciplined than I am. <laughs> and he also was very disciplined about exercise. He exercised two hours every single day of his life. He did one hour of like strength type exercises every day, and then he did an hour of swimming every day. It's pretty impressive. Ate lots of veggies and fruits, did lots of fresh veggie and fruit juices, ate, you know, the clean natural meats and fish, avoided sugar. My grandmother, she did not eat all that healthy. She was not like Jacqueline, but, you know, she probably has good genetics to help her live that long, for sure, because her mom, my great-grandmother, also lived to be uh, 90-something, late 90s, and also was quite strong. So there's obviously some good genetics there. But the other half of it, the, the health span part, by still being active and independent, that's because she stayed active, right? She stayed active. And I think I, I think recently I talked about this quote from Clint Eastwood that I, I quite like, which is, Never let the old man in. Never let the old man in. I've been thinking about that. I kind of, every day, I kind of think about that quote from Clint Eastwood. It was an interview, and they asked him, you know, he's, you know, he's 80-something, still directing big Hollywood movies. And someone asked, you know, how do you do it? And he said, never let the old man in. And what he meant by that is he's never let this idea of being an old man into your brain. Never call yourself an old man. Never think of yourself as an old man. Of course you'll be older, right? Of course you're 70 years old, you're not young. But this idea of an old man, it's the reason that's bad is because it's, it's kind of an image, right? It's this belief of, oh, now I'm an old man, so I can't do anything. Now I'm an old man, I have to just sit around and do nothing. Now I'm an old man, I have to retire and stop working and stop contributing. That's what he's talking about. Never, never, never believe any of that. Is your strength going to go down when you get older? Yeah, probably. But you can still have decent strength, good enough. Is your energy going to go down, your endurance, you know, lots of physical things? Yeah, of course. But you can keep them pretty good. Good enough. Good enough to live well. You know, Clint Eastwood still directing movies. Successful movies. Staying active. And this, I believe, is the difference between aging, what we might say gracefully, aging well, and aging badly. We will age. We will get older. We will die. And it's good to, keep, to remember that. So you don't keep waiting and waiting and waiting to start living. Bad idea. But the other reason is that because aging's real, do you, you have only one choice. You can't not age. That's going to happen. So it's a matter of how. How will you age? Will you age like my grandmother? Will you age like Clint Eastwood? Will you age like maybe even Jack Lane? Or will you age really, really badly? 
It's the difference between a grace and desperation. Grace is a nice word. Grace is the noun. Gracefully has the idea of elegant, right? Elegantly, skillfully might be another way to say it. Grace has a religious meaning as well. It means kind of like a blessing from God. So you get kind of the idea, right, of grace. Certain people age well. You know, there's an idiom we say, some people age like fine wine. Good wine, as it gets older, it gets better. The taste improves with age. This is the idea. If when you live well, as you get older, yes, of course, physically, you're going to age. Some things are going to get less strong. You're going to have less strength and energy than when you were 15, probably, eventually. But you can develop other qualities that make you age well, that make you a better person. A happier person. A wiser person. On the other hand, some people age with desperation, I would say. Desperation. Desperation means really kind of the idea of extreme or strong fear. And these are people that sometimes we, well, either we laugh at them or we feel bad for them. We feel bad for them, you know, when they just seem miserable and unhappy. Right? They seem to get less and less and less happy as they get older. And that's sad. Others, we see this in Hollywood a lot, others will age in a way that seems desperate, meaning they're looking, you can see that they're looking backwards towards youth all the time. They're 60 60 years old and they're trying to act like teenagers. Right? I see this in America a lot. They try to dress like teenagers. They try to talk like teenagers sometimes. And it, it looks kind of foolish. Because these are trivial things. These are foolish things that kids may get excited about, but that healthy, intelligent adults soon realize are not important and rightfully no longer care about. But you see, like I said, especially with the the shallow type people in Hollywood, the actors and celebrities, they, like they're desperate to hold on to their youth. We can understand why, because as they get older, they're not pretty anymore, and it's harder and harder and harder for them to get jobs. So they become quite desperate. You know, they get plastic surgery. They try to dress like a sexy 20-year-old, and they look foolish. And this is kind of, we kind of laugh at these people. It's also kind of sad, though. And in, even in normal life, whenever you meet someone who, who's always talking about the past and how wonderful everything was when they were 20 or 30 or high school, and, and they just, like, they're just trying to reach back and look back and hold on to this past, that's not graceful aging. That's desperate aging. It's, it's sad. The difference also is between wisdom and regret, as I mentioned yesterday. Living well, 
means that you will age and develop wisdom as you live a, try your best to live a good and virtuous life and you try your best to do what you th think is good and right and necessary and inspiring to you and you take some risks and you take action and you do your best to get in the game of life and live it and learn, learn, learn. And these are the people that as they get older, they gain more and more and more wisdom. That adds to that grace, right? It's one of the things that makes them age like wine, fine wine. Those who do not do these things, they get filled up with regrets. Every year of their life, they have more regrets about, most sometimes about the bad things they've done. You know, people who've done bad things have regrets. But I think the, the more common regrets are things they didn't do, things they never tried because they were afraid, things they never did because they were fearful. Those are the really big regrets that people hold on to as they get older. Ah, I, I never did this. I never did that. I never tried this. I should have. I should have. See, when you try something and you, even if you do something wrong, it's possible to learn from that. If you hurt people, it's, you do your best to undo that as best you can. Sometimes you can't fully do that, but you do your best. And then you try to, you know, you forgive other people if, when you can and you, and you hopefully can forgive yourself. And in this way, you can heal a lot of those kinds of regrets. So long as you live a better life now and in the future. But the regrets of never having done something, of not doing it, those are much more difficult. Right? And people really will hold on to those. And, you know, it's, it's quite a sad thing to meet someone, even middle-aged person, and, you know, like in their 50s, and, uh, and they just, all the things they didn't do, and they become kind of bitter, just unhappy people. And that's, you know, another sign of aging badly is this bitterness. We say bitterness in English, and bitterness is like a kind of... Uh, it's kind of a combination of regret and anger. Often these people seem really angry at everybody else, but the truth is, they're really angry at themselves. They Usually they won't admit this, but that's the truth. On the other hand, those who age well, those who age gracefully, they, going inside for a minute, it's windy outside. Those who age gracefully can often develop greater and greater enthusiasm for their life. It's and these are really wonderful people to meet when you meet someone who's 75 years old and they, uh, maybe physically their energy's not as much, right? They're not as strong physically, but you can see in their eyes this this we say a spark, like a, a fire, that they're fully alive, right? It, it's this kind of enthusiasm, this joy, this happiness that doesn't come from the physical. 
That's one of the great rewards of living well and aging gracefully. And in this way, those people are often younger in spirit because of that enthusiasm, much younger in spirit than many 20-year-olds that I've met. I've met a lot of 20-year-olds who are like old people. <laughs> you know, the stereotype of old people. They're, they're, they're boring, they're fearful, they're bitter. At age 20, it's, it's, that's what's really sad. So what's the key? What's the key? I think the, 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 the big message is get in the game. I've been saying this a lot, especially about the entrepreneur posts. Get in the game of life. Life's a game. It's a game. It's a game to be played, a game of learning. And when you don't play it, when you stay out of that game, when you hide from that game, you hide from all the risks, then you also hide from the rewards. You hide from the learning. This is the big problem when people age. This is the big problem with retirement. The whole horrible idea of retirement is that you are supposed to, at some age, some number, whatever the number is, 60, 65, 70, doesn't matter the number, but at some number, you're just supposed to leave the game of life. I'm retired now. Now I will no longer contribute anything. Now I will no longer work. Now I will no longer struggle. Now I will no longer learn. I'll just sit around on my butt and do nothing and maybe lay on a beach and do nothing. Maybe just lay around at home watching TV all day. That's a horrible idea. That's a horrible image. And this image is what we get in the media. Of course, you don't have to do that. Even if you retire from a job, you know, the, the, the people who I meet who, quote, retire, it means they retire from a job, but they don't retire from life. Quite the opposite. I, mean, I can think of several people who left their jobs, officially retired from their work, their jobs, but then they jumped into life. They started taking classes or they started volunteering to contribute, learning, traveling, really living. That's great. That's great. Unfortunately, it's also a little bit unusual because a lot of people do retire and then do nothing. They leave the game of life while they're still alive. That's a tragedy. It's never too late. As long as you're alive, as long as you, your brain's working, it's not too late. You can start a business when you're 60. Why not? Where's the rule that says you have to be 20 to be an entrepreneur? That's crazy. In fact, in many ways, that's uh, it's the opposite of what you should do. People say, oh, you should, you know, st being an entrepreneur, starting a business, that's for young people because it requires so much energy. Well, I don't agree. 
it does require work. It does require some energy for sure. Got to take care of yourself, even if you're 60 or 70. But on the other hand, if you're 60 or 70, you've got so much more real world experience. You should be a lot tougher. You should be a lot smarter. You should be a lot wiser than the 20 year olds. These give you huge advantages. So even if you're 70 and you always dreamed of starting a business or you just recently decided, hey, I think I'd like to start one, just do it. That's true for someone who's 15 or someone who's 80. It doesn't matter. Just do it. What are the rules in life that say you have to be a certain age to do something? It's crazy. We get all these crazy rules in our heads that, that someone else made that are not real. They're just imagined beliefs. I mean, that phrase, just get in the game of life. That, that, that is a good little motto. It's a good incantation. It's a good thing to repeat. Get in the game of life. Stay in the game of life. As long as you're alive, stay in the game of life. Now you can switch what you're doing, of course. But don't just sit around and become passive and do nothing. And that goes for young people too. Nothing sadder than a young person who just sits around doing nothing. Get in the game. Train English with me and my VIP program. Go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. In the Effortless English VIP program, I train you to an advanced level of fluency. You need to be a motivated, independent learner to join my VIP program. It's designed for those people who are the most motivated. And each day with the VIP program, you listen to the audio lessons and you repeat those every single day. The repetition is so important. Those lessons are designed for repetition. Those lessons are designed to give you repetition of key common, high-frequency, useful phrases, grammar structures, all of that. Now, the good news is I never talk about grammar. You never have to think about verb tenses. You never have to think about any of those grammar words or ideas. It all just happens in an automatic way when you're learning with my VIP program or any of my courses. On Twitter recently, some people asking me, well, which should I do, Power English or VIP? Which should I do first? And it really just depends on your level, your confidence, and your motivation. If you're a little less confident with your English, you feel like you're kind of a low intermediate or even middle intermediate level, you're not quite sure, then maybe Power English is a good start for you. It really will get you trained into the effortless English system. That's what Power English does. And that'll get you up to kind of a higher intermediate level. If you're more like a high intermediate level already, if you're already quite motivated, well, then just jump in and start with the VIP program. Stay with that for, you know, a year or more. It's it's about a... I'm I'm changing the VIP program. It's going to be about a seven-year program, a full seven-year program. Of course, you can leave that at any time. You don't have to do the full seven years, but you can do the full seven years. 
good news with the VIP program, you can try it for just $1. So you get 10 days for $1. You can just decide, just try it, sample it and try it. So join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Read an interesting article about homeschooling and freelancing today. The author, a woman, a, a mom who homeschools her children and also does uh, freelance work, I think some kind of design work. And she was talking about the connection between the two, how this freelance, this kind of independent freelancing way of working really is a powerful new part of our economy and really fits with homeschooling, how homeschooling is much better at preparing kids to become freelancers, to be you know, independent workers, to be entrepreneurs, investors, all the things we talk about with the Rich Dad book, in fact. And it's because they're so similar. See, as a freelancer or as a business owner, an entrepreneur, you have to make a lot of your own decisions. You're independent. So mom and dad are there to guide you. But homeschoolers are quite independent and quite, a, uh, quite um, decisive. You know, they make a lot of their own decisions, mostly. And their parents function kind of as coaches and teachers, but usually with homeschoolers, by the time they get a little bit older, like eight, nine, 10 years old, they're doing a lot of their learning independently. Making a lot of decisions about what they want to read and what they want to research more. So having discussions with the parents. So if the kid is really interested in science and engineering type stuff, then they can go more deeply into that. In schools, they can't. Let's say your kid is really, really into that kind of stuff. Building things and uh, engineering type things. Well, if they're in a public school, too bad. Tough luck. They got to study the exact same stuff as everybody else. Sorry. But as a homeschooler, well, guess what? Yeah, you want them to study certain subjects, probably. They got to master reading and writing and basic math. But that leaves a lot of time for their own individual interests. So they can go very deeply into science, engineering, building. And because of this, they can really develop quite advanced skills at a fairly young age in a areas that are interesting to them. It's amazing what they can accomplish. So because of this, they learn that, ah, I'm in charge, right? I'm the boss of my own learning. Mom and dad are maybe bosses too, especially at the younger ages. But the child has a lot of control. And of course, as they get older and older, they become more and more and more their own boss of their own learning. And this is exactly the mentality they need to be independent freelancers, entrepreneurs, or even investors. Used to making their own decisions. Used to figuring things out themselves. Used to finding things that interest them and then researching them deeply and then trying things and learning by, while doing. That's what homeschoolers do. That's exactly what entrepreneurs and freelancers also must do. So it's no surprise. 
It's also no surprise that school children have a much harder chance, a much harder time being freelancers and entrepreneurs. They really struggle. I mean, I've seen this so much in the comments and the reactions I get from my shows where I do topics about being an entrepreneur and the resistance and the worries and the, oh, what about this? What about this? It's all from people, I'm assuming, I'm guessing, who went to schools. Because the modern schools, this industrial way of teaching kids all of the exact same age, stuck in the class together, doing this exact same curriculum, this is designed to create obedient workers and be obedient employees, not independent thinkers, not entrepreneurs, not freelancers. No. You go to school, you learn to do what the teacher tells you, to come when the teacher says to come and the school says to come, to leave when they say you can leave, to take your breaks when they say you can take your breaks, to do the tasks that they tell you to do. So that you'll become an employee and you'll do what your boss tells you to do. You'll do the tasks that your boss tells you to do. You will come to work at the time your boss tells you to come to work. You will leave when they say you can leave. You will take your breaks when they say you can take your breaks. Right? It's a natural fit. School and those kind of jobs very, very, very similar. That's because that's the job of the schools. The modern schools are designed exactly that way to create not independent thinkers, but good employees. If you dream of your children being more independent, more financially independent, more financially free, homeschool. Homeschool. It's that independent mindset of homeschoolers that fits so well with the independent mindset of entrepreneurs and freelancers. Entrepreneurs and freelancers, most of all, have to make decisions about what they're going to do. They got to just figure things out. They never, they deal with uncertainty. All these things fit so perfectly. Another big problem with schools at the college level. I was talking to my cousin yesterday who's visiting us. Her name's Olivia. Just graduated high school going to college. Uh, well, in just about a month. She's going to go home and then she starts school in August. And we were talking about how much money her college costs. So she was saying the, the cheaper state schools, the big state state government schools cost tuition somewhere around eight or nine thousand per year. That's cheap. Nine, ten thousand per year. And that's only the tuition. That's not counting their housing. Of course, they got to live somewhere. It's not counting their food. So you're looking at at least twelve thousand a year. Four years, that's $48,000. $48,000. That's the cheaper schools. Unbelievable. 
the smaller private school, she's going to a small private school. The full price is forty thousand, four zero thousand, forty thousand dollars per year tuition, just tuition, not including housing, not including food. Forty thousand dollars a year times four years, a hundred and sixty thousand dollars for that worthless piece of paper for a bunch of worthless bullshit classes taught by a bunch of left-wing communists. Insane. I just, it's insane. Even the cheaper schools. $48,000 for a college degree is not worth it. I don't know, back in the 1950s and 60s, maybe that was a good deal. Of course, the schools were much cheaper back then. And the benefit was much bigger. You know, in 1960, a college degree yeah, probably could get you a pretty solid good job. Pretty much guarantee you a pretty good job. And the cost was much, much, much less. Was it a good deal in 1960? Maybe. I don't know. I wasn't alive then. But I'll tell you right now, in 2018, it's a bad deal. It is insane to spend that much money for a piece of paper. In the end, it's just a piece of paper. My cousin Philip. Some of you know about him. He's uh, what, 23, 24 maybe now. Graduated. Went to school. I don't know. So if he went to a, I think a smaller school. But he got scholarships. So he wasn't paying the full amount. But still. It's like $40,000. $50,000. For a business degree. That is worthless. And the professors, you know, told, you know, they're teaching them all this complete nonsense in these business classes. Very political now in, in, in the United States, I'm assuming in Europe too. Lots of left-wing socialist, communist type political stuff put into every single classes, even in the engineering classes, even in the business classes. It's insane. But even without that, the actual content for example, the business lessons he was learning. He would tell me what he was learning in his classes. And I was just thinking, this is a bunch of stupid bullshit. I'm sorry. Sorry to use the word, but bullshit means it's complete nonsense. Gotta say it because nonsense is too soft a word. Bullshit is what it is. Complete bullshit. These poor kids and their poor confused parents are going into huge amounts of debt. They're graduating these kids with $50,000 of debt, $40,000 of debt or more. And then they get out and what happens? They discover, oh, this degree is worthless. I learned no useful skills at all. None. He got out. He thought he was going to be king of the world in business. And then he realized, by now he realizes, he doesn't know anything. Nothing. All the stuff they taught in school was a bunch of nonsense. Because his professors had no idea about real world business. Because, why? Because they're hiding in a fucking university. They're not out there in the business world. They're teaching a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds in classes. Ugh. And this is true of business. This is true of... I mean, it really increasingly is true of everything. Everything taught in these schools. 
the truth is you can learn any of it much more effectively independently on your own at home you don't need the degree you certainly don't need all the classes you absolutely don't need to be paying all that money now I know some people are gonna say yes but in my country education is free and you are absolutely wrong it's not free someone else is paying for it you're paying for it in super high taxes Let's see, Europeans say, yes, well, we're civilized in our country. College education's free. It's not free. That's why you have super high tax rates. <laughs> You're just paying it in a hidden, indirect way. But it's sucking the same or more money from you. Going to these people who have these professors who are parasites. They're parasites. It is, it's such a sad, horrible situation. And I'm just hoping and praying that this bubble, this college bubble, this college insanity is going to just pop soon. Like a, like a, like the, like a stock market crash. And that a lot of these universities are just going to crash and go out of business. In America, it can happen quickly. Because in America, the whole thing depends on the student loans, which are protected by the government so in America all that needs to happen is to end the student loan system all the government just needs to pass one law ending government student loans and you will see a huge number of colleges go bankrupt which would be great it would be wonderful I'm hoping it happens. <laughs> but uh, the other possibility is it's going to happen slowly, and it's already happening, is more and more and more and more people are waking up and realizing this is a bad deal. This is a bad deal to become a debt slave. At the age of 22, you're already a slave to the banks, owing them 40000 50000 or more dollars, just starting your life, and you are already got all that huge debt for a piece of paper and then what do you do you get out and you can't really get a job with it that's all that good and you, even if you get a job you learn everything you need at the, the company trains you you learn all the useful skills at the company and company training because you don't get it from the colleges it's just four years of partying on loan money what a wasteful parasitic system it can't continue forever I don't know if it'll collapse in tomorrow or 20 years from now but I, I know the system in America more the most uh, I know it the best I should say and uh, it's already I, I can see it happening more and more people are deciding not to go to college at all you're starting to see here and there even some larger companies especially tech type companies not asking for college degrees they just they're just testing people on their knowledge of software most especially you're seeing this whole freelancing industry this whole system of freelancing all these websites where you can hire freelancers to do work for you independent workers who are not working for a big company this is growing and growing and growing very fast I use those 
services myself for my company when I need some work done like I've got some work coming up for example eh, some basic work nothing too complicated well I'm I'll use a virtual assistant basically a freelancer to do that work it's about a month or two of work I don't care if they have a college degree or not I'm not even gonna ask in fact I prefer they don't because they're probably lazier if they have a college degree So this is what's happening. It's sort of happening in slow motion in the United States that more and more people are pulling out of this horrible, ridiculous college system. The costs keep going up and up and up. The benefits keep getting less and less and less. More and more people are waking up and it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. I, for one, will be celebrating the day when that bubble pops and huge numbers of these colleges and their parasite staff go out of business. Yay! Freedom! <laughs> Meanwhile, for you and me, we don't have to wait until that day because we have a choice. You don't have to do it. Get out there and get in the game. Get in the game. Okay, school is not being in the game. School is a way to avoid life. School is a place where you're sheltered, where you're playing by ridiculous, stupid rules of the school that are not useful in the real world. You're avoiding the real world when you're in school. And the longer you do that, the weaker you become. So just get out there and just live and try things and work maybe sometimes it'll suck it won't be that great but you'll be at least learning you'll be really living your life instead of just hiding behind books and tests and grades like a child like a child stop being a child get out there get in the game of life and if you're older never retire never retire don't use this word retire I hate that word, retire. In English, retire means to, well, it kind of has the idea of going off and uh, going to bed. <laughs> okay, right? <laughs> I'm going to retire now. Never retire. Retire when you're dead. Now, it doesn't mean you have to keep working at some job you don't like or that you don't care about anymore. You know, maybe you worked a long career doing something and you're, you're ready to leave it, right? You've been a lawyer for all your life and, okay, I'm done with this lawyer stuff. And so you say, okay, I, I'm retiring from being a lawyer, but you're not retiring from life. So you better have some other things already decided that you're enthusiastic about, that you want to jump into and learn and do. Because if you don't, what, what's so sad is when people retire, they have nothing to go to. They're too focused on what they're leaving. I'm going to leave this job or I'm going to leave this career. And, and maybe they're even hap quite happy about it because they're tired of doing whatever it was. But the problem is it's a, it's a negative thing. I'm leaving this. That's why I don't like the word retire. It's too focused on what you're leaving. What are you going to? What are you going to? What are you going to do? You're going to have all that time now. What are you going to do with it? You got to decide. You have to figure that out. 
really you should figure it out before you retire you should have a long list of cool things that you're gonna do and then go do them go do them immediately like the first day like you retire and then on the first day you go and you do whatever it is maybe you decide you're gonna travel oh, we're gonna, I'm gonna tra- I want to travel I want to travel I've always dreamed of going to India great so what you do is let's say your retirement's coming up you have your date I'm retiring on September 1st you buy your ticket to India before you stop working and you fly within one week so September 5 September 5th is your flight to India you quit working September 1st and four days later you're off on your trip that's not retiring that's living that's great that's what you should do that's what you should do what you don't do is say I'm gonna retire and then I'll then I'll start traveling and then you never do actually do it you just have oh yeah I'll do it I'll do it oh man uh, and you say it's just an idea you got to take that action fast instead of thinking of it as retiring from something instead of focusing on what you're leaving focus on what you're going to focus on what you're going to this is the danger of retiring this is why also I like the like guys like William Shatner I've talked about this guy never stops working like I said before he's had so many different careers he leaves one he goes to the next one He's in his 80s now, so he can't really get many acting jobs anymore. So maybe he kind of retired from acting, but guess what? What did he do? He, he started, before he even stopped acting, he started writing science fiction books. He became a commentator on science fiction and fantasy media and TV shows. And then he started doing some reality TV shows. And he he said the same thing in his book. I'll never retire. He doesn't view it as retirement. He just, you know, leaving the game of life. He just views it as change. He leaves one thing, but he always goes to something else. He's always in the game. He just changes games sometimes, that's all. That's a great way to think of it. First, you think of life as a game. That's a nice metaphor because games are supposed to be fun and interesting and challenging. If a game's not challenging at all, then it's just super boring. If it's too easy, it's no fun, right? Games have to be a little difficult. They gotta give you enough of a challenge to be interesting. If you play a video game and it's just easy to win every time and there's no challenge at all, well, you'll be bored super fast. Ah, this game sucks. I don't like it. It's just super, it's too easy, right? Of course, you also don't want it to be too hard and impossible, but you want that nice middle part with the game where it's challenging, it pushes you, oh, you gotta, you kinda have to learn, you gotta practice, and then you get better, then you overcome something difficult. Ah, oh, now you feel great because you overcame that challenge. And then what happens? Oh, now there's a new challenge. You go to the next level and the next challenge is even bigger. And you repeat that process. And then, ah, you conquered level number two. Now it's on to level number three. Right? That's why people love good games. That's what good games do. So if you think of life as kind of like a game, especially the part about money and the social part of life, 
if you think of that as, as a game, well then, it, it gives you a kind of positive and a little bit fun philosophy, attitude towards life. And then instead of getting upset about the challenges, you realize, oh no, the challenges are part of the game. Without the challenges, it's no fun. Without the challenges, it's just boring. So, oh no, this is a good challenge. And then when you think of it as a game, you realize, okay, after you overcome one challenge, you expect there to be another one that's even more difficult. That's, that's the whole part of the game. You overcome the first challenge in your life, maybe, and then you get stronger. Well, now you're ready for one that's tougher. Because otherwise, the game will be too easy again, and then it becomes boring. And if life doesn't give you that challenge automatically, and sometimes it does, well, then if you're smart, you go find the challenge yourself. You actually create that challenge by creating a goal that's a little bit more difficult. And then you try to get that goal, and you, uh, it's tough, and sometimes you lose, and sometimes you win, and, uh, and you finally overcome it. Then what do you do? Ah, you, you celebrate. Yeah, cool, great, that was fun. I did it. What's next? Well, on to the next level. I'm going to choose an even bigger goal now. Right? And, and you do all of it with the mindset of your playing. It's a playfulness. Get in the game of life. That's also part of what's behind this fear. People are commenting to me and saying things, kind of these fearful comments about, I want to try this, but I'm afraid. If they're being too serious about it, they're not, they're not thinking of it as like a game. And to them, it's like some super serious thing. And uh, Think of it like a game, right? If, if you're playing a game, a video game, and you're, oh, you're, you're, you lose on one level, right? You're, there's nothing to cry about. You just go, oh, well, you reset, you start over, you try it again. Maybe you get a little frustrated, but, but you're not taking it so seriously. So I really like this idea of, especially, like I said, the social parts of life are very much like a game. And there might be parts like religion or, or other parts of your life where maybe you are quite serious and you don't see it as a game. But the social parts, money, jobs, work, travel, all those kind of things... Having this metaphor of a game, I think, is fantastic. I think it's such a positive, fun way to see life. So then you, you almost welcome the challenges. In fact, you get bored without them. I'm this way. I get bored pretty easily. And when I start getting bored, oh, I'll be bored for a while. Oh, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Make my wife crazy sometimes. <laughs> And so what happens? I, I Always what happens, how I get out of that, is I think of some big challenge to, to do. Sometimes it's with the business. Like recently, I decided I'm going to do a podcast every day. You're benefiting from my boredom. <laughs> right? I was like, I'm getting bored. So ah, that's a challenge, right? I've, I'm really interested in this, this uh, in, in, in like the podcast, doing the show. I enjoy it. I really enjoy it a lot. I thought, well, I need to challenge myself. I'm being too easy. I'm being too lazy about it. So what would be a challenge? Every single day. That's a challenge. I have to think of something to talk about every day. I got to keep my energy up for you every day, you know, so that it's interesting to you, you know, so I don't sound boring. And I just got to do the work every single day. But you know what? I'm enjoying it. I'm not bored anymore. Having a good time doing this. And I hope you're enjoying it too.
See, when you think of it as a game, it's not a big deal. Oh, it's okay. You get bored and you just you create a challenge that's interesting and inspiring to you. And then you just get in there and some days it's tough and other days it's easy, but either way, you're enjoying it. You enjoy the tough parts too. That's part of the game. You start to realize, you get wiser, you get smarter. You start to realize that the hard things, the challenges are part of life, necessary. You start to actually look forward to them, enjoy them. Like I think back on you know, like running, like say doing a marathon. A marathon wouldn't be so interesting. It wouldn't be so inspiring, enjoyable if it was too easy. That hard hit at 20 miles is part of the experience that makes it so enjoyable. So I encourage you, at any age, at any age, get this age idea out of your head, at any age, start to think of at least these parts of life as a game and Push yourself into the game. Just get in there and play. Doesn't matter. You're 12 or you're 90 or you're 99 like my grandmother. Get in the game. Never leave the game. And enjoy it. All right. Go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Lots of love to you. Bye for now.